0: Are you looking for a fun networking event where you can meet with abundant-minded entrepreneurs and experience best practices for creating engaging online events? I host one on the first Friday of each month. That's next week, and it's completely free. Register at nomorebadzoom.com and join the fun. I can't wait to see you there. Now onto this week's interview. Today's guest believes being human is your competitive advantage. He's a renowned business strategist, global keynote speaker, executive trainer, and coach, investor and forbes contributor. As president and co-owner of Pure Matter, a Silicon Valley global marketing agency and CEO of H2H companies, he sparked the human-to-human, H2H global movement that aims to humanize business through simpler communication, empathy, and celebrate our imperfections. He's a two-time best-selling author of There is No B2B or B2C. It's human to human, h to h and Shareology, how sharing is powering the human economy. Forbes calls him Zen master to digital marketers and his TED talk, yes, TED talk, not TEDx, featured a TED first allowing mobile devices during the event to illustrate his belief that even a small inspirational share holds the power to change the world for the better. Please join me in welcoming Brian Kramer. Brian, hi. Hello. Thank you
1: for that wonderful introduction, and I'm I'm really looking forward to this.
0: Well, I am too. Uh, as you know, this is a show about building strong networks, and the context is leadership. So, tell me, how do you define leadership, and when did you realize you had the skills to lead?
1: Two totally different uh, questions in my mind because I they're they're so like far apart in in distance from each other. So, I would say that um, first of all, leadership is uh is is helping someone else grow um that that's what leadership is to me it's not about yourself it's about others um so that that's what I would say to that and um if you're not growing someone else you're not a leader um uh, full stop so um the the other thing I would say for me is that it actually wasn't until I think in the last like five years maybe three that I actually started discovering my own leadership. I I think I was just such a newbie in business, in life. I think we all are, but, um, you know, and I just finally, um, really focused on it. Like as, as like, I, I want to be a better leader. Like this has gotta be my focus. And so I think it wasn't until the last three years that I really started to discover my own leadership.
0: All right. So first I want to dig into the definition. Um, so you make it sound so simple in, in some ways. And we also know that leadership is like an ever evolving, like you said, y- you know, it takes so much of your time and effort, but on, on the most basic, it's, it's simple. And yet you feel like it's been a while since you've, like you've, you've had a lot of life experience that you didn't feel you had it. Now I want to roll the clock back a little bit. Yeah. I want to roll us back to what you were like as a kid, because who you are today is built upon all those experiences. So when you're on the playground, you know, were you organizing your friends? Were you watching from afar? Did you run for office? Did teachers see you as having leadership potential? Like,
1: what kind of kid were you? Yeah, um, you know, I was a, I was a dorky, uh, you know, shy in some respects and not shy in other respects. Um, when it came time for running for office, I ran for, for office, and you know, all the way through high school. Ah, uh, won sometimes, lost sometimes, um, and uh, and and I would be probably considered. A lot of people would consider me an extrovert, even though I'm an ambivert. Um, and I uh, found my. I, found, I would say that I I was you know really really pushed by my parents more than anything else to get in and do those things, which I'm grateful for to this day. Um, I would not have done that on my own had it not been for that. I, you know, went through and, um, my dad was, uh, you know, wanted to be there, wanted to be present, but, uh, worked a lot. And so he put us into the scouts and I went through and got my Eagle scout. And, um, that was really, uh, uh helpful as well to my leadership of just understanding, um, you know, what, what happens outside, not just inside. And so, um, yeah, I was a, I was a different kind of kid. I, 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 I loved being with every group. There was no such thing as a click to me. Um, I loved, I loved being with the jocks, the nerds, the computers. Like if there was a group I wasn't part of, then I was not trying hard enough to try and see what was happening over here. So that's really who I was.
0: I really resonate with that last part. I mean, I had friends in junior high and high school and like all the cliques and would throw birthday parties where I'd invite people that I liked from all the (laughs) cliques to one party. And I love the idea of mashups of like people finding common connections when they normally wouldn't even been in the same room and then discovering things that they could... Like enjoy about each other, and yeah, I I am wondering what drove that for you. W- were none of those places kind of meeting all of your needs, or you just find fascination in all the people? Like, why do you think you didn't just settle into? I mean, there there's sort of clear clicks in high school. So, what caused that sort of fascination or desire to to move about?
1: Uh that's a tough question because I don't I just it uh, it really was natural for me just to want to do exactly what you just said I found it really neat to bring people together um, and uh, I I think a little part of it was that uh, maybe at certain parts I was bullied and I and then as I got older and bigger I was a I became a not that I was a big wrestler, I was a small one, but I I at least could defend myself. And I started to like, think, well, everyone should be a part of everything. Like we shouldn't push anything away from like, no one should be cast away. And I just, I loved hanging out with, Cerebral people and then sometimes I was like, I don't want to hang out with like uh, now I just want to talk about like sports And so it was just I was just eclectic. I guess I don't know the the total answer to that other than you know It was a makeup of who I was
0: Yeah, I think the word belonging is sort of Mm. woven into that because you felt that the bullying Is is sort of formative, right? It's it's an experience that makes you feel like an other you don't fit in, you don't belong. They're basically, that's what bullying is. Kids telling each other, like, you're out, I'm in. But then you got to a point where you were no longer being bullied, you knew how to defend yourself, but you had that empathy yeah. from that earlier experience. And so the divisions that most kids divide themselves by didn't mean as much to you. And so you weren't seeing the difference, you were seeing the sameness. And I can I could really appreciate that. And to carry that forward, and clearly this is the message you have today, around human to human, you know, I like to say, you know, there are walls for a reason. There are people who do not. I don't want to breathe their air. They would shoot me on sight, you know, that kind of thing. But there yeah. are too many fences. There are too many like low level barriers that we use to divide ourselves when we mostly have a lot in common and we could probably share like a, a meal or, or agree on a value. But where, where we're talking about each other as other when there's not as much other there and like we're really unnecessarily dividing. And I I think like that was sort of a common for you to bring people together. I was curious how you were perceived, like they they thought you were uh, an extrovert because clearly you're outgoing and you speak up and here you are running for office because you're getting, you know, some encouragement from home. Um, you learn later in life, the word ambivert, cause none of us knew that word back then. Uh, but you must've seen, be seen as sort of popular and outgoing by the time you're like floating around all these groups. Did you feel that way as well?
1: No, no, not at all. And, and yes, if you were to talk to some of my friends, I think they would describe me as that. And I would, I didn't see it, nor, nor do I, I, I have, um, uh, I, I, I don't see the world as popular or unpopular. i I, I just see it as um, connected in with a real true friend, or you're not connected in. and And if that's called popular, then then okay, we can use that word. But I, I think when you go deeper in a relationship and you really get to know someone, and then you do that again and again and again. That's not me being an introvert or an extrovert or an ambivert. That's me just having empathy and wanting to get to know someone. And, um, and, and, and that, you know, I can still be me and go back and crawl into my, my hole at the end of the day when I'm, my energy is exercised. But I, I still enjoy connecting with people. And I think that that is maybe perceived might be as popular, but I don't, I didn't see it that way.
0: Yeah, you weren't keeping score in the way no. that some kids might, in that in that way, and it also sounds like meaningful connection because your energy has to be used in order to go out into the world. So you probably were being a little more. I'm an outgoing extrovert, like I score a pure <laughs> pure seven on the Myers Briggs for extroverts. Oh, well, yeah, um, yeah. So I didn't actually. It took me a long time to understand. You know the difference between just being out all the time places and being thoughtful about where i engaged like because i had the energy to do lots and lots of things it took me a while to refine that approach mm. to be more like this is where i'm going to invest energy as opposed to i'm just always everywhere um you didn't you probably had a lesson earlier because your energy would wane quickly yeah. and if it wasn't like worth your time yeah
1: yeah i mean the the It happened all the time, but, um, you know, a lot of what I, I know now how to protect myself and my energy. Um, and that had to be a learned behavior because I would take on people's energy so much that it would destroy me. Um, it, it would, you know, I, either to, a um, like a, a dark place or to a light. Uh, and, and then I started to realize that that that's the separation of the kind of people that I'm hanging out with. And if I hang out with people that are giving me more energy that creates more abundance or more light or more creativity, then I can start to feel that way all the time because I'm so empathic that I had to tap into a different side of me of understanding like, you can't hang out with that because that's going to hurt you. You have to hang out with and do this. And these are your people. And And I stopped hanging out with everyone over time. That That's what I learned is like, I, I can only have like this circle of people that mean something. And then that's, what's going to help propel me. Um, and that's what I discovered in college is I found my people. Um, I, I just learned like, these are the people that are good. And they, you know, yeah, we got, we, 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 uh, had fun in college, but at the same time, we also, you know, I think it was a, a psychological growth for me to understand like this, you know, I didn't, if you asked me what I learned in college, I couldn't even tell you, uh, on book in the books, but I could tell you that I learned how to be a, a human being in college and that that's what changed me.
0: Mm. You're making me have a flashback to earlier in life. I, I would tell people that I must have a sign across my forehead and blinking neon, victims stop here because people who really needed um, a lot of support and were very draining for my energy would like find me and I didn't know how to say no to them and it took a long time to see that and go yeah those are the takers I yeah it it was hard to like learn to shift away Um, but like you said to find out how to show up and be present in a different way yeah now you mentioned going off to college. I'm curious when you were like 12 or 13, you know, did you know what you wanted to be when you grew up? Was there like a clear yeah.
1: path? Well, aside from being a firefighter when I was super young, I, um, my dad and my dad's a physician uh, and my brother is too. And, um, and my mom's a teacher. And so I, I think there was kind of like, are you going to be going into medical? And I was like, no way never ever know not going to happen uh, because my dad would wake up at like two in the morning or three in the morning for a call to go into the hospital. I'm like, that's not me. Um, so, so you do you. And then, um, and then when I called them from uh, uh, I called them in college, cause I was, I was starting to look at criminal justice. Um, cause I thought I wanted to be an FBI agent. And um, when I called them and I said, I took a communications class and this is it. Like I'm not the, and my mom, I will never forget. My mom said uh, to my dad, rich, you owe me $20. Like they knew that that was, that was the path. Like, they're like, yeah, of course that's, that's what you're doing. And um, so I, you know, it, you know, did a lot of speeches and a lot of communication, a lot of work in that area and public relations was my focus in and, Jap- and Japanese ended up being my minor, which has really no story behind it. I just thought it would be neat. Um, And, and then, you know, from there, it just grew. I went into communications and that became my, my focus.
0: I love how you, in some ways, like stumble upon something. I took one sociology class after going in for political science, but knowing I didn't really want to go into politics and I finished my, I ended up with a dual degree because I I finished poli sci because I was so close to finishing. And I, I finished sociology in about, I don't know, a year and a half, (laughs) I like did all the classes. I once I discovered it, um, I like loved learning how people think and move and, and engage in groups. So, uh, you know, now that you have this communication degree, which by the way, it sounds like a of all the degrees you might get in college, like that is a one very applicable <laughs> to real life. Um, did you know in what way? Like, there's kind of a lot of options. What was PR, like you mentioned, is that is that the direction you went when you first left college? Uh,
1: well, I got a, P- a PR degree and then I, I don't, but I can't stand PR. Um, I like PR for other people. I don't like doing it myself. Um, I, and I know, you know, I have the skill set and I have the background and so I use it and use it, it just shows up in my life. But it's not like I wanted to go work and do PR. Um, that wasn't a, a thing that I ended up wanting to do. But um, what I did realize is in college um uh there was a actually what happened is um i got an f on my uh jazz test and this is ironic but weird and weird because i it ended up shaping my whole life um i got this f i went back and i'm like i'm a good student so i was a good student so i went in and i was like how does this happen on a dizzy gillespie test that i got an f and it was really well written in my opinion and so you know i showed it to the professor and um there's a guy standing next to me and he got an f too and he's like you two are using the same source and while your papers aren't exactly the same the structure is the same and when i went to go look up the source it was gone so i need you guys to go back and show me a source that um that is real and then i'll reverse your grade so I went back to my dorm and I was a freshman and I went in and I, I was like, oh crap. Yeah, this this is down. The, uh, like So I went into the library and I bought H, uh, books on HTML and I went back to my dorm room and I reprogrammed and rewrote an entire source um, that night. I sat up all night figuring it out and putting it up. And I sent the link to the professor and he's like, okay, I'll use this as your your source. Maybe that's not like, the best way to um, get an A on your paper, but I wasn't going to get an F. Like that wasn't the when when I did it right originally. So I was like, this has got to change. So um, then I was like, well, now I can, I can program websites. So uh, this is kind of cool. So I, people, I just started like telling some people and they're like, oh, I'll pay you a hundred bucks here and pay a hundred bucks there. And before you knew it, it turned into a business and I was making more money than I was a pizza delivery driver, which is another story. And, um, and that, that like shaped my career right out of college because um, uh, agencies wanted to hire me to figure out how to integrate interactive and digital into their traditional uh, work, which they hadn't ever done before. This was the internet was a whole new thing to them. So uh, who knew an F on a paper was going to lead me down this road?
0: Yeah, not just the F, but also your your own ethic around the work you had done and wanting it to be seen, like feeling mm-hmm. like you were right and wanting to find a way to make it right. What year did you graduate college? Just trying to.
1: Ninety-seven.
0: Yeah. So me too. That's so funny. You and know, I have such parallel tracks. I was supposed to graduate in '96. I stuck around an extra year to organize a conference,
1: <laughs> a oh. student
0: conference. I had to be a student to be. Uh, to run the conference, so I stretched oh, no out my classes. <laughs> yeah. What kind of conference was it? It was an LGBT North, the third annual LGBT Northeast College Campus Conference. I haven't said wow. that in a mouthful in a while. Um, yeah. So really cool. Okay. So yeah, that was the beginning. I I learned HTML in um, grad school, like the following year uh, when I was supposed to be studying. It was a beautiful, beautiful um, computer like room. <laughs> yeah, and fast computers and fast printers, and I just. I spent a lot of time not working on my work and learning HTML. Um, yeah, that's a funny time. So, that skill set at the time, you were ahead of a lot of people just for having dabbled a little bit. And then, companies, sounds like agencies were looking to incorporate some of this new fandangle technology. And you're like, I'll figure it out. And yeah. uh, it, it really sets you up to be an expert early on in a, in something that takes off. Where did you? Continue to work for yourself. Do were you working for companies? Like, how did you build it into a career, and not just a side hustle?
1: Yeah, I uh, I got hired right out of college uh, for at an agency, and I grew up working for agencies. Um, I grew up my career, um, and I still continued to build sites on my own, and then I kind of built a little bit of a network with my friends from high school. The uh, the the geek. Uh, uh, circle, if you will, and you know they were true programmers, and so we started building applications. We started building some other things just for fun, um, and then that turned into work. And so I was kind of working for an agency at the time, um, and they hired me to to do what I was talking about, where right out of college, they're like, Hey, let's build digital. We want to be a, a website, not just a, a creative agency. We want to be more a digital agency too. And I was like, let's, let's do it. So they didn't, they hired me for 22 grand a year, um, which was like, I still had to live at my parents' house. Um, and I probably could have, you know, figured out, uh, you know, other things to do for more, but I was just so fascinated with technology and marketing and communications and PR and how, you know, all of it fit together that I was like, I don't care about the money right now. I just want to learn how to be a part of an agency. And that was um, that, that person who I ended up working for uh, then rehired me into my last job before I started my own agency. And he gave me my own PL, my own digital arm to build inside of this company. And I learned more from that than I did anything else. Cause I got to like, they paid me to build a company with their money and, I was like, "Uh, yeah, I'm in. And so when it was time to start my own agency in 2002, I had had felt so prepared for it because of the opportunities that I've been given to work my way up and learn every aspect of all the jobs inside of an agency and really create what it would be like to do it on my own.
0: 20 years ago, doing a digital agency on your own sounds, it's like everything was so new and, and you had experience a lot of experience for the time, but really only five years experience, right? Like you graduated and was five years later, here you are running your own agency, but it sounds like you had the right people around you. You were doing a lot of side projects for fun that turned into work. So you were also building a network, you know, what was the most challenging part you'd so much sort of set up for you, but what was the challenge as you shifted from, you know, a, a paycheck, although a meager one to you know, it being all on you to, to build something?
1: Um, so the, the way that that happened is I, I met my then girlfriend, uh, now wife, uh, or fiance in Washington DC in 19, in 2000, uh, 2000, 2001. And we had an advertising conference and, um, she asked me what I did at, I, we, we actually met at the bar. So you could say we met at a bar, but it was at an ad agency conference. And she said, what do you do? And I was like, you know, marketing, we're at a marketing conference. So, you know, I thought, um, you know, where I, I would go the funny route and, and I told her, Hey, um, uh, have you ever seen Seinfeld? And she said, yeah. And I said, well, that's what I do. Nothing. And then she did not find that funny. She turned around and started talking to other people at the bar. And I'm like, I just totally screwed that up. And then she finally came back over and talked to me and she remembers this differently, but she said, uh, she thought that was funny and sat down and we just talked until four, four in the morning. Um, and that, um, that, uh, led to us dating two years long distance between uh, uh, Michigan and California, um, and after about two years, it, California won out. She moved. She moved here with her then uh, 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 two-year-old from another marriage and became my daughter. We married, started the business, and um, and just jumped off a cliff all at the same time, and have just absolutely enjoyed being with each other every, every day since, um, you know, with the arguments about life and who's going to pick up the kids and all that kind of stuff. But we just clicked in a business way and a personal way to find balance with each other. And had it not been for, for both, for all of that, I don't know if our business, the business would have taken off and grown the way it did because I had her, she had me. And it was just this symbiotic thing that we grew from day one.
0: It's amazing hearing stories of people who've worked together and are like romantic partners for 20 years. um, That's, I think it's a dream for some people listening and a nightmare for others. (laughs) Um, Maybe a lived nightmare. I don't know. It sounds like really amazing and hard. It's also that you had someone to balance out what you were able to do. She had a passion for the same work. I can see having that steady partnership is a great way to, to kick things off and, and to, to grow. When you were first getting started, who were the clients you were aiming for? Like, how did you figure that out?
1: Local and small. So we had construction company, uh, accounting firm, um, uh, when I say small, like 10 to $50 million, um, companies that needed branding and, and digital and, uh, and creative. Um, and we were, we were the thing that really made us different. A was the creative and that's my wife. Um, and B it's that we put process and structure in right away. Um, I think that's what made us a 20 year old company, because if we didn't have process and structure, um, in a creative agency, it's like the ultimate, um, way to die fast. Um, because people just hate having to guess, like is you know, when you're, when you're in a creative space and you don't have a step-by-step process, and that's not saying that we need to be inside the box for creativity, but just absolutely knowing where everyone fits and where they belong and where they can see themselves, um, uh, that that made the difference for the for the duration and started to really resonate with our smaller clients and grow our agency into much bigger clients
0: It's really interesting because in a lot of ways it was because you were focusing on the ex- human experience of being a client in that space instead of you know waiting to get back to people or having them chase you down or not know where things are like you were designing, something that would help them feel part of it, even when you were like doing your design and, you know, we'll get back to you. Yeah. It's like keeping them in the loop. And I have worked with creatives who are who are good at that. And I've worked with probably more creatives who you're like, where are we on this? <laughs> and Like, yeah. I feel out of the loop. And it makes me feel a little anxious, you know? <laughs> so I can imagine that is again, like going to where you are today with human to human, like the fact that you were creating a good process, a good journey, or good experience for the humans that you're interacting with, both on your team as well as the clients that you're working with. Um, it doesn't surprise me, but it also distinguishes you. It is a really good, um, yeah, like a differentiator for a creative agency to have. And so that it lets you sort of build up. I also love that you call these, these small businesses, I, the word small business is such a, what an odd, uh, category. Um, you know, it's like small businesses, you know, $50 million. And I'm like, I yeah. get it. And also, wow. Um, yeah. but, at, but you started to grow and how did you then decide to market yourself? Like, did that shift and grow as you sort of matured as an organization?
1: Yeah. We, uh, oh, absolutely. We turned into, I mean, cause I think agencies have to, uh, um, they have to adapt and they have to change every two to three years because, because marketing changes, it, it's a radical shift. Now I can say that looking back with new technology or new ways. And, you know, we're here in, in San Jose. And so when I say small business, small business here is um, comparable to, you know, Intel and Intuit and, you know, Facebook and LinkedIn and all the companies that we have here. And so not now, um, and back then it was, you know, um, uh, what gave us our, our competitive, um, growth, I think was the fact that we could, um, grow into demand generation, um, at a time when it was, I guess you call it account-based marketing now. Um, but we grew into a demand gen, uh, place where companies came in and they loved, the creativity that was applied to um, uh, serving personalized information to people. And I loved it because that's my, who I am. Like if you can't deliver something in a personalized way to, to another human, then you're just a sea of same. And so for us to be able to do that, and s- we started talking about human to human and how that was a part of our, our process and, um, and that shifted us into, you know five companies, I think that um, ended up being swallowed by IBM, which then brought us into IBM and that's what that's what sent us um, up in the you know, uh, Cisco and IBM and Netflix and MasterCard and all these other huge companies. Um, and at the same time, while that growth sounds, neat i i i loved it at the time looking back i really miss the accounting firms the construction firms and everything that i worked with was a little bit more interesting to me because you got to actually work with the decision makers and make a big difference where when you work with these large companies you're working for uh, a point oh one percent change in in something and it doesn't have the gra- the gravitas that it did back when we were smaller when we were 10 people working really hard and being creative and having fun and being gritty.
0: Yeah it, it's it's hard to go back to that space when people like they, they think that success is to always go for the bigger and the bigger, but your your impact doesn't feel as big now that you're working in a larger I mean it's just a larger arena. So the ripple isn't going to be as deeply felt and you're not talking to the director decision makers. And it makes a lot of sense. I mean, every now and again, I'm sure you can have a breakaway campaign that, you know, is (laughs) changes, changes things. How has, um, I mean, so much has changed 20 years, like how we communicate the tools, the mediums. I mean, so much has changed. How do you keep like on the edge of that? How do you stay in the forefront of what, it, what even falls into the word communication these days? How do you, how do you make mm-hmm. sure that stays fresh?
1: Yeah. Um, well, one, the, the, the first thing is that, remember I'm, I'm a geek at heart. And so I think uh, I tinker, I, I have more tools and, and things that I try. It's almost annoying on that level to my wife. Cause she's like, what, like, how many subscriptions do we have and do we really need? And I'm like, I, I love it because then it puts me in touch with what's possible I may not use it, but at least I know it's possible. And, um, and then in other respects, I think that, you know, when the right creative situation comes along, you know what's possible and you can apply it. Uh, so that's how I kind of stay up to date is I'm, I have too many subscriptions to too many things and, um, and then have to constantly go back in and, you know, once every six months, start like canceling subscriptions because it is too much. Um, I, love, I love, love, love Flipboard. It's my favorite tool for staying um, in touch with um, with what's happening off the news channels and, and in certain real, uh, n- like really specific niches. Um, and I can tune Flipboard into what is coming and what I like and how I want to see the world. Um, not that I want to see it in like black and white, but just I want to see it differently than how time magazine and fast company and Inc. and all these other companies are showing me information. I want to tune it the way that I want to see it. And that helps me to, to be like a little bit more, um, futuristic, I guess. Um, so that's the second thing I'm, I'm addicted to that. And then the, I would say the third thing is conversations with other people like this, uh, just, just even like a 20 or 30 minute conversation to me with just asking questions and being like what's new for you and what's possible and how how could we do this together or what or not but maybe at some point we can i mean i had three conversations yesterday that left me with three more things that i wanted to research cuz i was like that that's so cool that you can do that i had no idea and that that's better than flipboard and and everything else that i use cuz now i can go back to them as a resource and be like hey let's let's actually talk about that.
0: I love your sort of commitment to learning and growth. And I do believe that innovation often comes from the from the edges of our network from ideas that are seem sort of disparate and you know at a glance you you can't figure out why you would bother to know about that. but then you're like, oh man grab that and bring it over here. I, I love love taking ideas that way. It's a little bit like mashing up people. It's when you yeah. can take ideas and just be like, oh, let's see if it applies here. Well, it didn't really work. Let's, Well, what we learned from this. Um, but, you know, the, the idea of wanting to um, stay in the mix. Yep. I think some people are really successful and then they become a person with a hammer, essentially, right? Like, they're really good with a hammer. And so they just, they're like, I've got a hammer now. And maybe they get bigger hammers. That's cool. They, like, build a bigger yeah. hammer. But, like, kind of in the essence, they are good with a hammer and they don't want to investigate everything else that's out there all the other tools and toolbox doesn't matter i've got a hammer and so they go looking for things to nail and you're like i'm building a really complex toolbox because i never know what i'm gonna need and so um it's a really innovative model and i think it says something about you personally that that is how you're keeping an agency fresh for 20 years (laughs) who's the ideal client right now like if i'm talking to someone What are they saying to me that makes me think, oh my gosh, I need to introduce you to Brian.
1: Oh, well, so first and foremost, I should probably say that our agency is no longer an agency. Um, I actually had a massive burnout and um, it was so so big that um, because I was speaking uh, over, uh, I was traveling over 200 days a year and my my son came up to me, uh, he was 11 at the time, no, 12 at the time. And he grabbed my hand and he pulled me into his bedroom and said, dad, I want to talk to you, sit down. And it was one of the days I was home and I, uh, he said, dad, you're, um, you are overweight. You have diabetes, which I did. I just got, my doctor just told me, and, um, you are never, you're not never at our school plays or school functions, anything. And, and, um, you, uh, you're never going to meet your grandchildren at this rate. And, uh, I was, I was so blown away. I, he's right. I ate my way through every country cause the food was so good. But, um, but at the same time I had to take a step back. And so I talked to Courtney and I said, I want to exit everything. Um, I want to stop speaking. I want to stop the agency. I need to, this is, I'm just, this is, I'm, I've had it. And so we, we, uh, we did it took us six months and we, we, uh, exited. Um, and then I took a year off and I became a After that, she she started to become a CMO for uh, the uh, Coaches uh, Coactive Coaches Training Institute, and I went through their program, and uh, just because I I found it fascinating, and I I became an executive coach, and it just uh, you know we still run a marketing consultancy and we help companies with their creative uh, strategy and and with their. With CMO uh, type work, outsource CMO type work. Uh, And then the other part of what we do is executive coaching. And I I absolutely, you know, I love helping companies and people uh, to grow without burnout, which is what I did. Um, and I, you know, I, I took the year off. I lost 85 pounds. I lost diabetes. I never missed a school function or a school play again. I picked my kids up from school, um, you know, and dropped them off every day from that day forward. And I don't regret a thing, but that's my journey.
0: Wow. Your 12 year old at that time was (laughs) wise beyond their years and brave to, to come to you and tell you what they were seeing as the truth of the situation, um, that, probably a lot of people were trying to either not see or didn't want to bring up. And, you know, it's like hard to live with that. And you took action. So as a, I'm a family guy myself, I have a a four and a half and six and a half year old. And I, I think a lot of how I now think about success is really defined by that because I don't want to be 200 days on the road. Like that's not a goal of mine. I love that I'm now in this space where I do so much on zoom (laughs) uh, because I'm able to have the impact without having to take so much time away and I'm selective about the time I'm away. So kudos to you for turning your life around, um, for listening, uh, and to them for, for bringing all that up. And so you found a new way of helping. Like, it loved, I feel like you're a learner, but you also love to support and engage with people. And so now you're able to do that as an executive coach. And are you? so you're still in business together. You're just doing this slightly different work.
1: Yeah. We still run the creative, uh, we run it as a creative consultancy rather. Uh, and we just, uh, outsource it. So there's just the two of us instead of 30 of us. And I, um, uh, we now are, uh, you, you might see uh, fractional CMOs or, uh, or creative, uh, directors, uh, for companies. And, and most of the companies we work with are pur- purpose driven. Um, it just fills our soul to, to, you know, I still don't, I still don't know what the tech companies that we work for actually do. So that's, you know, I, I need to understand what, what, what they do and I want to believe in them and I want to, you know, help create a future for something that's like a uh, visionary that's going to make you go, yes, let's go do that. And so that's, that's the companies that we work with is, you know, they, they, it means something in the world. And, um and, and so we, yeah, creative director outsourced CMO and then executive uh, I, I work with business, uh, entrepreneurs, CEOs that want to grow and go on vacation and not burn out. Like they're like, how do I grow this thing? But without all the headache and the, the, the miss out missing out on my family and all that stuff, it's totally doable. And, um, you know, as you, as you know, as you do so well, cause I've, I've like researched you to the, the nth degree and how you balance your life. If you want to call it balance or whatever, um, You have created a life that's so, uh, which is why I couldn't wait to meet you because you have done that thing that everyone wants. They want to do joy-filled work and have a a home life. And that's just, that's where I think most people want.
0: Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, you're building on, again, your own personal experience. When you were a kid, you were bullied. That created um, a feeling of empathy, which is what made you want to bring people together. When you hit burnout, you again, like using that experience, wanted to make a difference in the world. Um, try to help other people not experience that burnout. And it, it's just a lot. I mean, it's fun to to hear this conversation and see how you have always been you. <laughs> um, different, you know, different environments and different sort of possibilities that were in front of you. Um, but you're kind of constantly growing. Um, I'm thrilled that you and I connected for, for the same reasons. Um, You know, I, for my virtual event design side of my business, I work with um, mission-driven or purpose-driven organizations to help them bring their events online uh, with less stress and greater participant engagement. And that is because I'm sitting in the room. I'm literally a fly on the wall of some amazing conversations for these conferences and these trainings and get to witness that and make what they do work really well in this new medium that we're all suddenly like using nonstop. Um, and then I get to also work, you know, doing one-on-one and group work with um, entrepreneurs who, again, are trying to do this do this big impact in the world. Uh, I want to shift us just to the last couple of questions. And um, one is, you have just developed an amazing network in the last, you know, 20 plus years. It's, it seems like um, you're such a human-to-human people person, right? How do you nurture, sustain, not just like the inner circle of those people that you always know you'll stay in touch with or catch up with easily, But that second and third tier or second and third layers out, like any habits, philosophies or practices for for keeping in touch and and staying top of mind?
1: Yeah, Um, well, first of all, I I don't think our brain I think our brains have a capacity of like like a filing cabinet. And once it becomes too full, then um, we become stuck and we don't know what to do with relationships or anything else in business. And so I'm I'm a proponent of taking and using technology to be that second brain. Um, and so that we don't have to do that. And so I use, um, Evernote and the CRM tool and I capture everything into a really, uh, really systematic, really structured way to be able to make sure that I'm not forgetting. Um, because I, I, you know, we all meet people and then we go, Oh yeah, I'll reach back out to that person or, or yeah, I'd love to get to know them. And then you don't, and it just stops there. And I think that it doesn't have to, you like, you can put in a, a way to, to stay in touch and to be in present in each other's lives without like, you know, talking every day, but you know, knowing like, okay, Hey, it's six months has gone by. And I, I just love to touch base and see how you're doing. And so uh, that's my biggest tip is put, put something in something simple where you can capture everything and not forget so that you can go turn off your brain and focus on other things and then it pops up and every every day i just do this now naturally i think i just reach out to someone and say hey and it's not like hey can i help you or can you help me or it's just how are you like what's going on and and then that even just in like it sparks a a psychology of, of of for both of us not just you but for me to be um uh, present in, in two, two people's lives where they feel like acknowledged. And it, it really, I think it triggers a lot of, um, I don't know, it triggers a lot in me. It's like, I can almost like, it like jumps me up. And after I've reached out to someone and we've talked now, all of a sudden I can sit back and go, Oh my God, that was, that was awesome. I'm going to move forward with my day now. So um, I, you know, just, just that little touch point once a day with one new person or one existing person. 365 days, that's 365 people.
0: Yeah. It's a really simple challenge that you've just given to all the people listening that, you know, just is, it's really, it's a, creating a habit. Um, not just think about wanting to do more of that, but to actually create some process. Now you said you're using a CRM is the CRM where you're getting these, these names each day. Is that what's triggering it or are you yeah. using the CRM for something else?
1: Yeah. I use the CRM, um, and, and my own, like, um, I'm ADHD. So, uh, also I like a name will just pop in my head and I don't wait. I just text them right away. Like, um, or message right away. Like if, if I don't do it, then I'll never do it. So if I, somebody pops in, I'm just like, Hey, uh, friend from college, uh, Andy, how are you? How's your mom doing? Uh, so it, uh, right away I'll do it. And then CRM is the, 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 the other way of how I track, all of the conversations I, I use nimble and it just completely captures everything I need. And I, I know birthdays when I, and I know everything in there about like what we last talked about and wow. what I sent to someone and how uh, if I, I didn't hear back from them and I just want to make sure they got it. Like all of that is in there.
0: How long did it take you to really get that set up? Cause it sounds like a great resource, a great system. And also, I can tell why people hesitate to really invest the time to get it set up.
1: I just t- walked a client through it this morning, in, in 20 minutes, it's not hard to set up. It's really easy. Um, it's just a matter of looking at it and going, "Okay, how am I going to make this tool l- with less friction?" Because yeah. if, if we look at a, a tool and go, "Oh, sh- I gotta use that every day," then that you're never going to use it. But if the if if it's just a if it works with you not you working with it so that you can capture the information like wherever you're at and that's it it just it just does its job then um then it'll be easier for you to use
0: brilliant we'll put a link to nimble in the show notes so people can check it out so uh here's my 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 final question it's one of my favorite uh i know we're going to stay in touch brian for a zillion reasons and probably have to have many follow-up questions follow-up conversations uh let's say it's a year from now and I suddenly realized it's been a year and I reach out and I say, Oh my gosh, Brian, it's been a year. I'm going to want to ask you, Hey, what's up? What are you celebrating these days? So what are you most looking forward to in the year ahead?
1: Uh, my book I'm writing. I just started writing a book right now, uh, my third book. And, um, and uh, so I'm, I, I, a year from now, I will celebrate the launch of that book. Um, and so it's the sequel to, to uh HDH, uh, which I wrote in 2014 and uh, then Shareology. And now I'm writing a sequel to HTH because I think that it matters now more than when I actually originally wrote it. Um, everything's changed. And I'm going to focus on trust as the epicenter for what builds human uh, co- relationships. So the whole book will be focused on that. And and I am I just just finished the outline. So I'm at the very beginning stages of it.
0: Well, I can't wait to celebrate that with you. How can people find you and follow your work?
1: Uh, at Brian Kramer.com Brian with a Y Kramer with a K. And, um, you can sign up for my newsletter and my, my information and all my socials and everything are, is there or at Brian Kramer anywhere.
0: Brilliant. We'll put all those links in the show notes at on dot Brian, thank you so much for this conversation.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate it. These are, uh, it's kind of a trip down memory lane. I don't do that quite often. So that, that was, that was really neat. Thank you. My
0: pleasure. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with brian what is your key takeaway something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come share what resonated with you in the show notes at on look for episode 309 that's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show as well as all the archived episodes reach out and let me know which are your favorite interviews if you enjoyed this episode please Share it with that one friend you know would love to hear it. Subscribe or follow for free so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review. Thank you in advance and look forward to connecting again next week when you'll be interviewing another talent professional who's overcome challenges to achieve success. Ask probing questions to get them to share untold stories about their entrepreneurial journey, how they built and sustained professional network. Until then, have an awesome week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E.